The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Foot First Podiatry. Painful bunions, then it's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. For more information about the Sklar Bunionectomy, visit footfirst.com. And by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Sportscaster and Her Son, where sports bridges the gap between the generations. I'm your co-host, Peggy Kaczynski, 12-time Emmy Award-winning sportscaster from NBC Chicago, and I'm the baby boomer. And I'm Jason Canander, co-host. I am 19 years old, going to be a sophomore at University of Texas, writer for Southside Sox, and yeah, just happy to be here. A couple more weeks of summer, and so we don't always get along, but sports does bridge the gap between our, our generations. As a baby boomer myself, uh, I don't always see eye to eye with everything that Jason does. And as a uh, Gen Z, um, he doesn't always see eye to eye with me. So we like to talk sports and and really that does bring us together. So we are getting ready for the Olympics. So in this episode, we're going to talk about our favorite Olympic memories, and we're going to hear from some in the business of covering the Olympic Games and uh, talk a little bit about um, their favorite Olympic memories as well. So I got to tell you that I have worked three different Olympics. I worked the 92 Games in Barcelona, Spain. I worked the 92 Winter Games in Elberville, France, and I worked the 2000 Games in Sydney, Australia. Um, my memories go back to the first one in Barcelona, Spain. I don't know. You have to, Jason, you're not going to remember this because obviously uh, back in 1992, they had what was called a triple cast. And NBC had three different channels. This was before cable was you know, broken into the way it is now where there's a million different channels. They had the red, white, and blue channels that you could watch different events on. And I was hired as a graphics producer uh, by NBC to work the games. And I sat in a graphics studio during the games. But the coolest part was that Athletes would come in and uh, they would get ready to go on a show, come in the studio. And so they hung out right outside our studio. So when we were on a break, we would see these athletes and just hang out with them and talk to them. So what's really big at the Olympics is exchanging stuff. So I exchanged, I don't know what pin I had, um, some kind of a pin with a track and field athlete from the United States. I don't even remember his name, but what he gave me was their warm-up jacket. And it is still in my closet. I want to take a picture of it and, and show everybody. We'll put it on the, the website, the Sportscaster and Her Son website, so that you can see it. Um, it's the coolest thing. It's my favorite memento. I have a zillion pictures of all these athletes and celebrities that came through the green room that was right outside our door. Uh, that's my favorite memory of the Olympics. That 
And in Sydney, when I took a break from, I was working for ABC Radio, and I took a break and went and watched the wrestling, and I saw Rulon Gardner pull off the big upset. That was unbelievable to me by myself sitting there in the stands and being an American and just catching the whole vibe of the Olympics, which is really sad this year because there's no fans in the stands. Um, What's your favorite memory? Well, obviously, I haven't been around for as many Olympics, especially with the games canceled last year. Um, the first Olympics I ever remember was 2008, Beijing. Um, I just remember it always being on TV. This was when I was six years old, so I absolutely hated sports and was wondering why sports are on TV 24-7 for an entire month. Um, but I do remember watching Michael Phelps. Who could possibly forget that? Um, and honestly, that's all I remember from those first Olympics is Michael Phelps. Fast forward to 2012, that was London. I understood it a little bit more. Um, I think, I believe that was still Phelps again. That was a highlight of the Olympics as well as Usain Bolt. Um, that's really all that I remember from that. 2016 was Rio. That was, uh, Katie Ledecky had the huge Olympics, right? That was, uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Lochte getting mm-hmm. arrested and getting in trouble. Oh, that's right, yeah. Um, Rio was a whole lot more eventful. That I, I believe that was the Olympics where the USA men's basketball team won by like 60 and 70, and it was like LeBron and CP3 just throwing up lobs. and So the Olympics, admittedly so, isn't exactly my bread and butter because it's essentially a combination of all the sports that I have never really cared about. So... What I always enjoy about the Olympics is watching the championship games for every single sport. Yeah, I am one of those fans when it comes to the Olympics. And I also love watching the opening and closing ceremonies. The opening ceremonies are my favorite part of the Olympics every year. Love seeing who's walking the torch out, the representatives from each country. And that's the thing that's going to kind of be sad this year is that whole vibe but without any fans because Mm -hmm. the best part about the opening ceremonies are when you see all the different flags from the countries you see the different sections with the people from each country you see people from countries that you don't even know existed so that's always my favorite part of the olympics kind of trumps any specific memory because there just isn't a sport in the olympics that is that special to me to where like I followed it so much to that point during the Olympics and then USA's in the championship game because, to be honest, all of those sports, the USA wins in pretty easily. And by all those sports, I just mean basketball. And now baseball is coming along, and that'll be interesting because the rosters are made up of all these guys that are too old to be in the major leagues but too young to actually retire, and then some class 4a prospects so i don't think the level of play is going to be that good for baseball so i don't know how that translates to the united states being favored or the dr i think that'll be an interesting element and i'll definitely follow that along but yeah just to kind of wrap it up i I love the opening closing ceremonies more so than really any one event i still like watching when they do the anthem for the gold medalist i I, 
I love hearing the different anthems for the different countries. I, I love looking at the other athletes too when that anthem is playing because you'll have Why? you'll have the Russian anthem playing and there there will be like a Ukrainian and a, oh, and a United States yeah. athlete and it's just I think it's it's almost awkward like it's very prideful for whoever wins but it's so awkward for everybody around them. You know I don't even have to know who the American athlete is if the American anthem is playing it chokes me up every single time. I, I it, There's just something about it. For me, it takes me back to when I covered the games in Barcelona. It was my first ever out of the country trip. And to be away from was home. Was it really? Yeah. And to be, to be away from home that far away. Um, by, I was with my best friend, Mora. She was also working the games. Um, but it's emotional, you know, and you're you're so far away from home. And, and yet you back then when they were all amateur athletes, you really respected that they had reached the pinnacle of their career. Now they're semi, semi-amateurs, you know, most except of them. For, except for the dream team. Well, exactly. But they all still get, they all get paid now. They all have sponsorships. So it's, it's not the same, but yet it is because many of these athletes will not go on to any kind of professional league in what they do. So I love that. But I have one other memory I just remembered. This is not an athletic memory from the Olympics. When we were working the games in Alberville, France, I was working for CBS Sports and um, there was a bar in town, you know, Alberville is like a, a ski resort town. And there was a bar that was dubbed for whatever reason, the Americans bar. And everybody, all the Americans, um, you know, everyone from CBS sports, we all went there after our shifts. So we would get off work at like 11 o'clock at night and head to the bar. This one night we took over the bar I remember a bunch of us that worked for CBS Sports got behind the bar. We were serving drinks. Um, it was so much fun. In the back of the bar were all the U.S. figure skaters, and they were dancing on the tables. I can still to this day see Nancy Kerrigan, and I want to say it was Paul Paul Wiley, Paul Wiley, uh, dancing and doing karaoke on top of a table. That's great. And all of the other American skaters, they were, you know, just kind of like they, they blocked off the back of the bar for them to just kind of be by themselves so that people wouldn't bother them. But the bar was packed with Americans. It was so much fun. The Olympics are my favorite, favorite memories of all of my time in sports because we just had so much fun. Uh, why don't we check in with some of our friends who have Olympic ties, um, many who are at this year's games in Tokyo, and others who you know maybe were from the past. Uh, should we check in with them and find out what their Olympic memories are? And maybe do you have what should be an Olympic sport? Because I don't really. I mean, I know people oh, talk oh, about oh, like arm I wrestling have, and I stuff. I have some ideas. I have some ideas. Hear me out. Okay. What, what do we think about poker in the Olympics? That's not a sport. It's it's a competition. What do we think about uh, like an eating some sort of like eating competition? Like the, here's the only the only snack no. with that is there's no one food that is standard across every country of the world. So like you make everybody have to eat a hot dog, then that eliminates any country with religious based dietary restrictions. Noodles. <laughs> you make people eat noodles, then it's obviously going to 
Um, it's obviously going to advantage the countries that have noodles as one of the base, the bases of their cuisine, because those people are just going to be able to eat it so okay, much Okay, this faster. is stupid. What so, else? I, I, I kind of like that idea. Those are really my two main ideas. Uh, if you were to ask me four years ago, I would say baseball. I'm really happy that baseball is back in the Olympics, but I think it's going to be kind of awkward almost, as I said before. It's just going to be a bunch of guys like, hey, I remember when he was in the major leagues five years ago, and then... Some guys that just look way too young to even be playing in the Olympics. But I would have said baseball. Um, what about bodybuilding? Bodybuilding. <laughs> those people use so many different stimulants and so many different <laughs> proteins and so many different powders and mixes to where I don't think that there's any way that they you could, could mandate yeah. and regulate every single thing that those guys use. So, you know what? My final answer is going to be either an eating competition or poker. I think that really the Summer Olympics has everything that you could want now. What about oh. bags? <laughs> Seriously. I think that that's an the American cornhole thing, Cornhole is on. I think that that's an American it's thing. It's freaking on ESPN. I don't think Cornhole. I, I mean, I've cornhole, seen Dad sit there watching it for hours. I don't think. And he I, doesn't I even play it. I don't think Cornhole has hit Latin America yet or Canada or Well, that's how the, some of these sports grow, Jason. Okay, so maybe in 100 years we'll see Cornhole in the Olympics. So this year the new sports are? Climbing, sport climbing. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Okay, karate or karate. That sounds kind of boring. Surfing. Okay. Three on three basketball. Three on three basketball. Yeah. That'll be interesting. I. You don't need to three, me. Three on three basketball three is like basketball it's like go to, regular basketball. No, you don't. Three on three basketball is like is like something at. Um, well, why don't you just do a three point shooting contest? Three on three basketball is like what you find at your local festival, you know, the Itasca yeah, Sports Itasca Festival. Fest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Sorry, Itasca Fest. <laughs> Won't be uh, going back, though. Well, I think some of our friends who are in the Olympics, um, have ties to the Olympics, are broadcasting the Olympics, or maybe a former Olympic athlete, may have some thoughts on what their favorite memories are and maybe what sport I think they're going to be a little bit more uh, real than what we're saying. Uh, sports should be in the Olympics. Let's check them out, okay? But first, have you ever dealt with bunions? I have. It got to the point that I couldn't even wear any shoes without having shooting pain. Even at night, I couldn't even pull the covers over my foot. It hurt so bad. It didn't matter if I was wearing slippers or boots, gym shoes working out, or heels for a night out. The pain was intolerable. I finally decided to do something about it. That's when I heard about Foot First Podiatry and their exclusive procedure, the Sklar Bunionectomy. It has you on your feet the day after surgery. Are you kidding? Well, I had to see it to believe it. And you know what? They were right. Surgery was easy. I am so glad I did it. I walked out of surgery in a boot, no cast, no crutches, walking the same day. And you can be back in a gym shoe in two weeks. When I look at my foot now, there's no visual scar. And best of all, I am pain-free. So ladies and guys, don't walk around in pain like I did for years. Visit footfirst.com. How you doing? My name is Montel Ice Griffin. I was a 1992 Olympian in Barcelona, Spain. I have my own boxing gym. It will be open four years in December. Clarence Griffin, Winter City Boxing Club. 
I just came out with a book about my life, about making an Olympic team called The Ice Life. You can find it at uh, the link, theicelifebook.com. Making an Olympic team was the greatest experience in my lifetime. And my favorite Olympic memory, of course, is meeting the Dream Team. Uh, we got a chance to meet everybody but Larry Bird and Michael Jordan. But um, we hung out a lot. The NBC studio was uh, right next to the venue where we were fighting at. So we got a chance to go back there and talk to the guys on a daily basis, take pictures. And um, I ain't going to say become friends, but it was pretty cool. Um, a sport that could be an Olympic event. Um, I guess they're going to have to start doing MMA in the Olympics. I don't know if they do it yet or not, but uh, I just hope everything works out. I know they keep talking about canceling the, the event. I hope that doesn't happen, but um, I'm Team USA all the way. Hope the best for everybody. Thank you very much. Hi, Peggy and Jason. This is Beth Mowens getting ready to call uh, the return of softball to the Olympic Games. For the first time in 13 years, you can catch all the action, most of the games, on NBC Sportsnet. My favorite moment um, in the Olympics, growing up as a kid in upstate New York, not too far from Lake Placid, would have to be the Miracle on Ice. Sitting in the living room with my family, hanging on every moment of that huge win over uh, the Soviet Union and then capturing the gold medal against Finland. That is uh, tops all time. I think the biggest sports moment, certainly, in my lifetime. What we need to get back in the games in Los Angeles 2028 is the perfect time for it, is lacrosse. Great sport. Growing up in uh, central New York, loved watching uh, the uh, boys and girls lacrosse. And it is a fabulous sport for television. Very entertaining. I think it would be a huge addition to Los Angeles 2028. Let's see if we can get that done. Hi, everybody. Catherine Tappen here from NBC Sports here in Tokyo covering the 2020 Summer Olympics. It's been great so far. We've been on the air for a couple of days and I just feel so energized to get these games going. And in a year when all of us were looking forward to this, it's finally here and it's been awesome to be here in Japan celebrating these athletes. I would say my favorite Olympic memory takes me back to 2014, which was my first Olympics in Sochi. And it was eyes wide open for me. I grew up an athlete. I always dreamed of being at the Olympics in some way, shape, or form. Obviously, it did not end up being in athletics, but it was the next best thing, being a part of the NBC Sports broadcast team covering hockey. Um, it was such a great experience. I got to meet all my colleagues from NBC there at the games, and it was um, just there was so much going on at the time and so much going on in Sochi, but we focused on what we had to do and you know to bring a gold medal to our hockey coverage at the end of the couple weeks we were there and I just I will always remember my time in Sochi and then of course a couple more after that this will be number four for me here in Tokyo and I guess probably most athletes feel the same about their first games it's something they'll always remember but as a kid I remember watching the Olympics and being glued to the TV in particular the Winter Olympics we would go up to our family friends winter ski lodge in New Hampshire and we would all sit by the fireplace and those Olympic games were on 24-7 um 
And as a family, we'd just sit there and watch. And when we would get back from skiing, we'd have dinner together and watch the Olympics. It was just amazing. So I just think the Olympics bring the entire world together. And I'm so happy that they're here. So um, anyway, an Olympic sport, I was asked, that I think should be an event uh, here in Tokyo and moving forward. I guess I can't really think of one because I, I think the one I would have said is here this year. And it's surfing, making its Olympic debut. I think it's just awesome. I love watching surfing. I love watching surfing videos and movies. And I am super excited to see what these athletes can bring on the Olympic stage. Um, and what better place than in Japan where the waves are amazing and the summer months are just truly exceptional here. So I'm excited surfing is making its debut. I'm excited baseball and softball have made their return to the summer games. And I just think there's so much positive energy around these Olympics. So I can't think really of an event that I would really consider missing. So I guess that's my best answer. <laughs> I look forward to being here with you guys throughout the games. We'll be on prime time every night on USA Network um, and bringing you all the unique sporting events that you won't see in prime time on NBC. It's it's uh, it's women's softball, it's soccer, it's surfing, it's skateboarding. It's so many other great events that um, these athletes deserve to be recognized for. So um, Peggy, thanks so much for having me. I hope you guys will all join us for all of our 7,000 hours of coverage on NBC. Bye. Hi there, Peggy. This is Maggie Hendricks, uh, currently with Bally Sports. And as you know, I love the Olympics very much. And that really all got started in the 1992 Olympics, Barcelona. And I just absolutely love the gymnastics. And it's one of the first times I found myself cheering for another country over the U.S. I wanted Tatiana Gutsu of the Unified Team to do well, and she won gold, and I loved her, and I still follow her on Instagram to this day. Um, and as for an Olympic sport that I'd love to see, something to become an Olympic sport, I just want softball and baseball to stay in the Olympics permanently because they are just so wonderfully Olympic and so wonderfully global and I think give opportunities to so many people, especially softball, how it gives opportunities to young women. So um, just keep softball. That's all I want. Hi, everyone. My name is Bob Vassilopoulos. I'm a freelance producer in Chicago. Uh, and some expertise in Olympics. I've worked 13 of them. And uh, what I've seen over the years is the Olympics grow and grow in a way that may not necessarily be the best for countries that host them. And what I mean by that is take, for example, uh, Greece in 2004. I happen to be Greek and know uh, the toll it took on their economy. They, uh, they built there's certain infrastructure that stays, legacy infrastructure, roads and uh, phones and electricity and certain grids, you know, to supply the games. Those things are great. They stay for the people of the country. And uh, always with an Olympics, there's a hope that it'll create a interest in that country, in that region, create tourism. Barcelona is a great example of that. The games in 92 were a huge success and a boom for the people of Spain. But other countries have not seen that boom in uh, years past, and Greece is a perfect example of that. And the infrastructure that goes into these games, uh, say, for example, whitewater rafting. I know for a fact it cost something like $25 million to create this course in, uh, in Athens, outside of Athens, that is now gone neglected. They don't use it. The swimming venue, don't use it. Stadium, dilapidated. 
So unless this country is well-planned uh, as to, okay, we're going to have this stadium, we're going to use it after for this, uh, it really puts a burden on these countries to spend all this money for basically three or four weeks of activity, if you count the uh, Paralympic Games that follow. So uh, in addition to that, the Olympics needed to grow an, an audience. Uh, Olympics have traditionally been, you know, running, swimming, jumping, you know, weightlifting, the thing, the, you know, the, the sports that we were all used to seeing when we were kids. Now, with the uh, success of things like the X Games and all the Red Bull uh, events that are happening, you're seeing exotic sports for younger people, the skateboarding, the, uh, 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 the bikes, uh, God, cross, what do they call that, uh, cross-track bikes and all the things that, uh, you know, are trying to lure a younger audience. Uh, so young, in fact, I can't even recall them all. Anyway, there's a lot of events that, uh, that really add to the price of a country putting on an Olympics. And uh, you could look at the most recent bids for Winter Olympics. They only had two, and one didn't qualify, and they gave it to Beijing uh, for uh, the next coming Winter Olympics. I mean, these Olymp you know, Olympic Games put tremendous burdens on local and, and national economies you know, to put them on. So I don't know what the right answer is. I... I uh, Maybe more permanent sites like Super Bowls where people can, you know, I mean, that, that, that the Olympics can go back and revisit them uh, rather than just pop around and, you know, every 20 or 30 years a country sees an Olympics again. Maybe make it on a more reoccurring basis. Have a rotation of a handful, perhaps, just, you know, so they don't have to put this kind of outlay out there. Anyway... That's my thought. I mean, there's nothing like Olympics. There's nothing like bringing an audience together uh, worldwide to, you know, see the best compete. A lot of these kids, that's the only time people see them or pay attention to them is once every four years. So I think that's tremendous. I just think there needs to be a real assessment by the Olympic Committee or, or just a, you know, uh, kind of a cost control to everything that's going on because it really just seems like it's an unreasonable burden on some of these countries to, to put these things on to the point where they're not even bidding. They're not even throwing their names in the hat. So that's what I know and uh, or think actually. What I know not so much. Anyway, thanks for, uh, for listening. We'll talk to you guys. Oh, that was pretty good. Um, all right. No predictions and no final thoughts in this episode, but we do have some final thoughts that we have merch. Yes, we finally have merch. I'm very excited about this. Cool designs that mom. your brother your brother did. Yeah, very cool designs. Um, when I actually looked at the site for the first time, I was very, um, which may have may not, which may or may not have been this morning. Um, I was very surprised to see how many different options there are. You know, when we first talked about it, I thought it was just going to be t-shirts, but it's like t-shirts, hoodies, um, like stickers, uh, literally anything. Posters. Posters, mugs, onesies, onesies, wall decals, mm -hmm. literally anything that you could possibly want. So 
do us a favor. Go out and support your favorite Chicago Sports Talk podcast. Promise, if there's anything you need around the house, we probably have it with our faces on it or a logo or a saying. So go on the site. Check it out. Buy it up. Support your favorite podcast. I'll be doing the same. So, I, yeah. Here's the designs. The first one is Chicago Quarterbacks. It's very cool. It lists all of the quarterbacks since, what, all the quarterbacks and my, that mom asked hard hitting questions to. Yeah, their pretty time much all the ones that I've covered. Yeah, the all list the of Chicago quarterbacks. You quarterbacks. Asked why they why they fell out fell uh, came up short yeah, so much? Exactly. Okay, so that's one design. <laughs> um, another one is we don't always get along, which um, is very far reaching in many different ways. So you could you can use that in however way you want, uh, but you can find it if you go to our website, the Sportscaster and Her Son dot com. Click on the merchandise link, and it'll take you to T Public and to our storefront, and you can find whatever you want. It's also we put links out on Twitter. Uh, Facebook. I tweeted the link. Did you, you put it on follow, yeah, the gram can, too? Uh, I did not, partially because the two Instagram followers might already know about it. I'll put it so, on. I'll put it on mine too. Yeah, you can put it on your Twitter. Um, I tweeted it out. Obviously, you can follow me at at Jason Canander. I would really like to get that blue check mark, just like my mom. Eventually, the only way that comes is by people following me. So um, that's where you can see the tweet, the link to the merch. If you have any recommendations for merch in the future, tweet oh, yeah, at me or idea. my mom. But you need to go buy this stuff up now. Sell us out. Make there no merch left, so that we can restock. Maybe some new designs, some new ideas, some new items. Show love. Absolutely. Our thanks to all of our friends who contributed to today's show. Please check them out by their Twitter accounts or on the NBC Peacock and Olympic channels where you may be able to watch and check out the Tokyo Games. Our thanks to Adam Yaffe, as always, for his expertise in making us sound so good. Don't forget, you can download us on Apple, SoundCloud, Google, really anywhere that you get your audio. Go to our website, the Sportscast sportscasterandherson.com. Uh, we also have a Facebook page and um, check us out there too. Download, subscribe. As always, thank you everyone for following us. Uh, we're having a blast. Thank you for joining us and goodbye. Bye, Merch. The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, electrically connecting our world. And by Foot First Podiatry. It's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No visual scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. Visit footfirst.com.